Welcome to the Author's Show of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development Podcast. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guest today is Carmelita Eulin Ginting Karlström from Alto University School of Business. She recently published an article entitled A Discourse of Virtue How Poor Women Entrepreneurs Justified Their Activities in the context of moderate Islam. She co-authored this paper with Mirto Kliova. It has been recently published online in Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal edited by Tiller and Francis. Carmelita, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about our paper, and I'm very happy to be here. Can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer? We initially wanted to study entrepreneurship in rural Indonesia. So we were in contact with an Indonesian social enterprise that implement community development programs in different areas in Indonesia. We had the opportunity to go on site and observe the various business activities in eight villages in central Java. And similar to other rural communities in Indonesia, most of the villagers belong to the lower social class, and it's mostly because of the lack of work opportunities in the declining village economies. So we noticed that the community members are very religious. The majority are Muslims and are members of the Nadaltul Ulama. Uh, it's the largest Islamic group in Indonesia, but also in the world. And this Islamic group is known to follow a moderate interpretation of Islam. It has a more liberal view on gender relations, as well as on women's economic engagement. Um, but in these villages, we observed that conservative gender relations remain dominant, and women stay at home to take care of children and manage the household, while the men are the heads of the family and the primary breadwinners. But despite these strong gender division of labor, entrepreneurship among women is common and it's very thriving. So we found this counterintuitive and it motivated us to investigate further. So we talked with 34 women entrepreneurs in three of the villages and we asked about their entrepreneurial experience. And based on these interviews, we found that the women were very skillful Uh, in justifying their entrepreneurial activities. And this is despite the local culture and religious teachings that are not fully supportive of women engaging in non-domestic activities like having their own business. So because of this, we focused on discourse to examine how women use patterns of language to uphold or challenge local religion and culture. And the pattern of language is known as the interpretative repertoire. So it is a set of meaning that the women use when they talk about entrepreneurship. So we found two groups of main interpretative repertoires, and we termed the first one as the compliant repertoires. And these repertoires are fully aligned with conservative gender relations, but they actually present entrepreneurship as conforming to the status quo. So for example, when talking about their right to become entrepreneurs, the women had to address the concern that men's authority could be undermined because they start to make their own money and contribute to the family's finances. 
So the compliant repertoires emphasizes on the importance of getting the husband's permission or blessing before starting the business. So the women bring the husband's authority back into the picture and it the repertoire gives um, the women to engage in entrepreneurship and show that the status quo is undisturbed. While the second group of repertoires, we term it as virtuous repertoires, uh, they downplay the incremental shifts in gender relations because of women's entrepreneurship. So it shifts the intention, uh, attention to non-gendered, non-religious values that are highly esteemed in the local culture. So within our context, the cultural values are tenacity, financial autonomy, productivity, and collaboration. So for instance, to divert attention away from them becoming more and more independent, uh, some of the women use the financially autonomous repertoire to describe how problematic it is when they are being too reliant on the husband's income, especially because their husband's work is usually seasonal and irregular. So with this repertoire, the women highlight how important it is for them to have their own income and thereby casting entrepreneurship as a pragmatic way to solve their tight financial situation. What are the, the main contributions of your paper? So prior literature has revealed the regional differences and factors that influence the way women entrepreneurs justify their entrepreneurial activities. So we focus on the literature on Islam and women entrepreneurship to see the variations across Islamic context. And the prior studies found that Muslim women of higher social class, they're able to justify entrepreneurship with sophisticated language. Uh, because they are knowledgeable of Islamic teachings, so they are able to reinterpret scriptures to cast entrepreneurship as fully aligned with Islam. But this is not the case for women of lower social class. They rarely refer to scriptures or Islamic teachings, but they rather focus on religious boundaries of women's activities. So, for example, they highlight that their business is operated at home, um, their business is the product of feminine activities such as craftswork, knitting, or cooking, and that they also do not interact with men who are not family members. So our study adds to these findings as we look at the language of women of lower social class and those who follow moderate Islamic teachings. And these women also did not use of sophisticated interpretations of Islam, and they also focus on the boundaries of women's activities. But our findings provide additional insights that have not been discussed in prior studies. The women did not openly challenge conservative gender relations, but they made room for entrepreneurship by leveraging non-gendered and non-religious values. So they draw attention away from aspects of entrepreneurship that are deemed controversial, such as women becoming providers and becoming financially independent. And they do this by highlighting certain attributes that are admired in the local culture. So for instance, uh, some of the women highlight the importance of tenacity when facing financial difficulties. So they painted themselves as pragmatic problem solvers who help their husbands to provide for the family during turbulent times. So by drawing on admired cultural values such as tenacity, their justifications become difficult to contest and they are seen as neither overly challenging nor overly complying to the status quo. So this 
discursive strategy is unique and has not, to our knowledge, been discussed in prior literature. What was for you the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenge or challenges in addressing such a question? The main challenge for both myself and co-author is to be actively reflexive of our taken-for-granted attitudes concerning gender and feminism. Um, as I interviewed the women, there were numerous instances where the women's view on gender relations was completely different from mine. And there were also times when they disclosed very personal matters regarding their business and their marriage. So I had to be empathetic towards the women while keeping a distance so as not to intervene with their personal lives. And there were also situations where the women's business practices were inefficient. So I had to set aside all the business training that I've gained over the years and just listen. So I had to tell myself that I'm here talking to the women to learn about their experience and I'm not a consultant. So the same challenge was present when my co-author and I analyzed the interview findings together. So our feminist views and knowledge of venture creation kept emerging as we interpret the data. So it was very important for us to be actively reflexive so as not to be damning of the local practices and to be more empathetic in our interpretations. During your research journey, what was your biggest surprise or the most counterintuitive result? So in both academic literatures and popular media, women in patriarchal culture, specifically those affiliated to conservative and moderate Islam groups, they're often painted as docile and submissive, or they are incapable of improving their lives and status because of the strict social prescriptions. But then researching them showed us that they are actually very driven and very skillful in opening their path towards entrepreneurship. Yes, they may face oppositions from their husband or other community members, but those women were astute and strategic in using the virtuous repertoires as they perhaps inadvertently selected the appropriate cultural values to address the concerns of the community. So, for instance, some of the women experienced some changes in their marital relationship after they become entrepreneurs. So their husbands became more involved in household chores in looking after the children. Some husbands also helped the wives in doing little tasks in the business. These actions are not in line with the conservative gender relations, but, but the women did not explain this as a success in terms of gender relations or marital relations, but instead they focus on collaboration, which is a highly esteemed cultural value. And they do this to explain and downplay their improved status at the same time. So all of the virtuous repertoires that we identified, tenacious, financially autonomous, productive, and collaborative, they provide a hopeful sign of women's ability to overcome challenges and to regain control over their own lives and of some men's gradual yielding to the progress. What are for you the, the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, policymakers, or practitioners in general? In regions where a moderate interpretation of Islam is dominant, entrepreneurship may not be a legitimate activity for women, especially for those women affected by poverty or belonging to a lower social class. So our study is relevant for women entrepreneurs operating in these regions, as well as 
policymakers and organizations that aim to promote women's entrepreneurship. We have highlighted the importance of building a positive discourse on women's entrepreneurship to make it acceptable for the women's family and the community. So women entrepreneurs can tailor their communication by symbolically paying tribute to conservative generations to deter direct opposition with the compliant repertoires and directly follow it with virtuous repertoires, especially the mention of non-religious and non and gender neutral cultural values that are hard to dispute. So for example, a woman might say that for her to have a business and earn money, it can make her family think that she doesn't need her husband anymore. So she could say that she's becoming entrepreneurs to supplement her husband's income and not to replace it. And also say that it's important for a wife to help the husband to be his helpful partner, especially when um, the money is a bit tight. Um, but for policymakers and nonprofit organization, using compliant repertoires might not be aligned with the values that they represent. But the use of virtuous repertoires can be helpful in framing their activities. So, for instance, in our context, promoting programs with a discourse that mentions collaboration, tenacity, and so on, it would most likely be more successful than without such a discourse or with an overtly challenging local cultures. So our main message is that the selection of repertoires based on local virtues can help promote entrepreneurship in regions where it is not yet a legitimate activity for women. Thanks a lot, Carmelita, for participating to our show and presenting your paper, A Discourse of Virtue, How Poor Women Entrepreneurs Justified Their Activities in the Context of Moderate Islam. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship.com and on the main podcast platforms.